Hey, it's Burton Shalow. And this is Savannah Hart, and you're listening to the Black Box Podcast. I was just like, you know, I got drafted uh, to Toronto. And he's like, all right, I'm not going by myself. Who's coming with me? <laughs> he said, I'll go with you. I was like, all right, come on. And then, like, we didn't know. It was nothing was planned. It was more like we were just going for the ride. This is the Black Box Podcast with Burton Chowla and Savannah Hart. It's an inside look at the sports, music, and entertainment industry. We pull back the curtain, we peel the onion, and we talk to insiders in the industry. Our guests for this episode are the Villanueva brothers, Rob and Charlie, Charlie and Rob. Charlie played 11 years in the NBA, and Rob was, or is, his big brother, was his manager, his right-hand man, his head of IT, his social media intern, his driver, his eraser. Rob, did I miss a job there? <laughs> yeah, you also miss uh, the, the masseuse. The masseuse. Oh, uh, there's a story okay, there. Okay. Thanks no, for doing the no show, guys. Thanks for doing the show, guys. Appreciate you. I go way back with you guys, and we've been through some ups and downs. So I appreciate the Olive Branch, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. Nah, man. It's, uh, appreciate you having us, man. Dope setup, by the way. This is a professional, professional podcaster. Once Charlie fired me for the third time, <laughs> I had to figure out what to do with my career. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to move right into professional podcasting because I got yeah. a face for podcasting. <laughs> Rob used to tell me all the time, you got a face for podcasting. So I don't know if you guys remember, I used to send gear to your house all the fucking time. I, I do remember, remember that. Right? Like, remember I the PF Flyers, Rob? You used, used to hook me up with the PF Flyers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Rob was I like, I really like that. PF Flyers. So I sent him some PF Flyers, right? <laughs> so we were, we were in East Rutherford and I was saying, what's up to Smoke? And he was like, he was like teasing you, Charlie. He's like, yo, this this dude like sends you gear to your house. You can't even say what's up to him because you didn't know me yet. Like there wasn't. I had met you before earlier, actually the year before. At uh, no, like three years before when you were a rookie at Lotus. You went to a Lotus party. Billy Seisler brought you to a Lotus party. It was uh, was Rise Magazine, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. When I worked at Rise, so that's the first time I met Charlie, and it was cool. Like it was quick. Like you know, whatever. We you know we. We kicked it. We were cool. But like, I really like, really, really started hanging out with them through Rob. Because Rob used to come into the office and he was like the liaison. You know, like there's always mm-hmm, the, the mm-hmm. manager or the brother that liaisons right with the right hand man, right? So they were like, you know, he don't really know English that well. So just, you know, work with him, right? <laughs> Wait, who didn't know English? Rob Wait, or Charlie? He's like, he's like, he's like, <laughs> I, speak, I speak good English. First of all, my first language is Spanish. We're from the Dominican Republic. Let's get okay. the straight. Okay. So from time to time, my accent comes out and I might, I instead know, of saying I three, I might say three. Right. Right. That's some height shit. That's okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. Are you guys from the Heights? Do you claim the Heights? I, I'm actually from Washington Heights and Charlie's yeah, actually- I definitely from, don't claim the nah, Heights. Nah, he's from Queens. He's from Elmhurst, Queens. Like a typical okay. Dominican dad. Okay. They got the same dad, different baby mamas. Okay. 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 Yeah. So- I was like cool with Rob and Rob and I started hanging out because he was always at Excel. And then when Charlie would come in town, we would hang out like, and that's really what built the bond. And when I got fired, when Jeff fired me, you know, for real, I don't know if I ever told you guys this story. When he fired me, he, he was like, there were two, there's three clients he really cared about their feelings as far as me getting fired. Like he said, we have to figure out what we want to say to Kevin Love. We have to figure out what we want to say to the Villanueva brothers, and we have to figure out what we want to say to the Bayless brothers. If you guys remember Jared Bayless, and he had yeah, his, yeah, brother, yeah, yeah. his brother Justin was involved at the time, and it was like a thing. 
And I, I don't know if you guys remember, you guys were on a commercial shoot. I called Rob. And I was like, yo, by the way, I just got fired. And he, his first reaction was, no. And I'm like, yeah, for real. Jeff's going to call you and he's going to tell you, uh, you know, I got fired and why I got fired and whatever. And then the other two times I got fired by Charlie. I'll tell you the other two times. Oh, gosh. <laughs> if you count that one as one, right? By the way, by, by the way that first time you got fired, I, I thought you stole something. I thought yeah. it was he was stealing some paper. Not that that's your character. But I just figured, you know, he, he took some office item home. Maybe he, he took somebody else's lunch. I really need this fucking stapler. <laughs> you really, you left an impression yeah, times on them, Burton. Back then. Um, okay, so here are the other two times, right? Yeah, let me okay. hear this. Refresh my memory. Please. Okay, yeah, okay. refresh. You're the one doing all the firing too, so it's more memorable to the person who gets fired than the person who does the firing, right? Because the person who does the firing, is like, yeah, no, another guy, get out of here. Be, be, what do we say? Go fly kites, right? So, so go ahead, get to it, get to it. Let me hear. It. Okay, ahead. so the other time was it wasn't like a formal firing, but when I was doing like management stuff for you, like I was your day to day manager when you were in Dallas, right? Um, we had like the meeting in Fort Lauderdale, like the, the state of the union meeting where it was like me, you and Rob, and we're like kind of like going over stuff. So I was doing like day to day management for Charlie plus PR, right? Like that was really the role. I don't remember the exact role, but that was really the role. And you know, it's like Charlie's paying me, you know, a stipend every month. And it was just really like, nah, I'm good. I don't need this. I think the real, it came down to you like, ah, I don't really need this anymore. Like, why am I paying you? I don't really need this. So it wasn't a like beat it little boy. It was more like, <laughs> Like, so you, you know, didn't do anything wrong. No, no, I, no. I, I was fantastic. Yeah. I was fantastic. Uh, it was I just you know that correctly to going that way. I think I think there was a little bit of tension oh. in that first firing that led to the state of union conversation that uh, Charlie questioned your abilities at the time. And I don't know. That's that's was, some closed door was, shit. So tell us, like, I, that's not what he said to me. He said you're doing a great job. You know what's crazy? I don't remember that. This was crazy. <laughs> but continue. This is the thing. It, it was. It was a lot of. I mean, you know how it is. I mean, when NBA players like. You know, they have their agent, maybe they have a marketing rep, maybe they have a PR or rep that's separate. And then they have the day-to-day guys and somebody that's typically in their inner circle, whether it's a family member or a best friend from high school. I mean, these things are natural positions that, that occur, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, um, they want to take it to another level. And in Charlie's case, he was um, heading towards, you know, his, his career was, was shifting, right? He was maybe eight years in and nine years in in the league. And um, we didn't know he was going to get be back in the league. And uh you, I think you came up with an idea of having this this concept of the crossroads, yeah, yeah, which we could we could, we could dive into it a little bit more. But it was basically like, is is Charlie gonna be back in the league or not? And then let's let's capture this free agency period. And we were using our mobile phones to record it. We made a whole show out. This of is it. a good story, Rob. You should get into this. During during that era, it was like, you know, Charlie was reevaluating re- his expenses as well. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, yeah. you know. He had his brothers on the payroll. It was myself and also my other brother, Rob, that was also on the payroll. And it was mm-hmm. one of those things that out of generosity, of course, you know, he's, he's getting a big payroll. So he's hooking us up as family members uh, off the bat. But at the same time, we also got responsibilities and accountability. And I think, um, and Charlie, you can speak more about this, but I feel like you in the position where it was like, I like this check is about to stop coming. And I may have two more years in the league, maybe three at that. So it's like I got to really evaluate the decision making when it comes to my my, my monthly expenses. Uh, I think now, now you take me into memory lane. I, I definitely remember having that conversation where, you know, uh, I had to think about if I was going to be in the NBA or not. And so I approached it as I'm not going to 
be in the NBA anymore. So I had to make some adjustments financially or whatnot. And Bernie it just so happened you had to be on top of that list. <laughs> I, but I'm Charlie, I'll tell you, you're good at HR because he gave me the he gave me this is a speech he gave me. He's like, it's not you, you're doing a great job. It's just, you know, we're downsizing. I mean so. that's exactly that's exactly what it was. So that was the second time I got fired. And then the third time I got fired was when the beef Oof. happened between us, right? Because yeah, I wasn't yeah, yeah. on payroll at all. So I was here here was here was the situation. So Rob touched on it. We did all this content around Charlie getting um, getting a job with the Mavericks and then we shifted into doing a movie a biopic about Charlie because uh, Charlie has alopecia and for those that don't know alopecia is autoimmune skin disease where he doesn't grow hair he has alopecia unis versalis right so did I pronounce that right? Yeah you said it right Yeah results so, to hair loss yep So we were doing a biopic about his life and overcoming that and using basketball as a vehicle and so it was really my idea, so I should deserve some fucking... <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it there wasn't you your idea. It was a collective, constructive idea. It was... It was co- okay, fine, fine. It was mostly my idea, and then Rob and Charlie jumped on board. Cool. Added some details. So collective, right? So, so we had this, like, pact where it was, like, the four of us, Charlie, Rob, their other brother, Rob C., and myself, are in this pact doing this movie together. And then at one point, we started talking about equity around the film, and obviously, Charlie, because Charlie, it's his story, had the lion's share of the equity. And then it was like something for Rob, something for Rob, something for me. And we never put, we never papered it. We just talked about it, right? We never actually like signed a contract. This person has this equity. This person has this equity. And then Charlie and I had an, I'll just call it an incident. <laughs> uh, we, like, we don't need to go into the skeletons. But oh, sure. <laughs> I, I we said, can go into the skeletons. I said though. something to Charlie that was inappropriate while I was in a compromised state of mind. I was going to say, like, you ever had an ex, you know, somebody you were dating before, and all of a oh sudden, like, God. you know, there's late nights and you get that two in the morning drunk text? Mm-hmm, of course. That's, that's where the incident Kind of evolved. So we. Uh, so I, Burton was the two a.m. texter. Yeah, he was okay. absolutely. Okay. Okay. So, anyways, we had an incident, <laughs> and so then Charlie was like, "Burns, like, move forward." So Charlie wasn't too happy with the incident, and so I would consider that like the third firing, right? Like, it wasn't an official firing. I wasn't working for you, but it was like we we're working on this project together, right? So. This is Charlie's olive branch to me to do the show, and we're moving in the right direction. So now that we got all, we Thank aired you. out all of my dirty laundry. Thank you for the olive branch, Rob yeah. and Charlie. You that guys was, are very I don't know mature. That was part of the introduction, but that was like the longest introduction ever, right there. Because one of us is drinking bourbon on this show, so like, well, let's figure out which one of us, all right? That would be me. Yeah, exactly. So Charlie and Rob, the show really is about like we're trying to like literally pull back the curtain back on stuff that happens in the industry. And I thought having both of you on would be interesting because one, I think current NBA players aren't as honest as guys that are out of the league because there's nothing to lose at that point. You can be honest about what, what's going on. I also think having Rob on the dynamic of having Rob on is this. He was your manager. He's your brother. He's obviously your older brother. There's a dynamic of an older brother working for you. That's interesting, right? Because it's hard because up till the time you were a great basketball player in the league, you're, you know, you're listening to him when he's telling you shit, right? Cause he's your older brother. And then now he's on payroll. So now you're his boss. And then I thought, I thought this Rob, I, I know Rob's career a little bit. He pivoted from IT, right? To being a day-to-day manager in the sports industry. So I thought all of those dynamics were interesting. 
when Charlie got drafted, did you know going into the draft, okay, this is going to be my day-to-day guy, Charlie? And were you comfortable with that, knowing he had no experience doing this specifically? Um, I don't think I don't even remember us talking about it. It was just more like, you know, when I was in college at UConn, you know, he was already, you know, because he was living in California doing his IT stuff. And then when he moved back to New York, you know, uh, he was just a guy that I, I don't even know we talked about it. I was just like, you know, I got drafted to, to Toronto and like, all right, I'm not going by myself. Who's coming with me? He said, I'll go with you. And I was like, all right, come on. And then, like, we didn't know. It was nothing was planned. It was more like we were just going for the ride, right? So, all right, so he'll come with me to live in Canada. And then now he just started, you know, the relationship started uh, growing in the sense of, you know, he'd become my manager. Because I didn't know anything, any any of that stuff. Right. Also, mm-hmm. we was just going day by day. And then, you know, as as my career went on, you know, the relationship business side, you know, evolved. Yeah, for sure. It was definitely a, a, a transition for me. I mean, like uh, my background was I spent 15 years working in in the computer world and the Internet world, living in Silicon Valley and working in IT. And like I naturally play, played a good fit in that position where it was like I was resourceful because like in the families of the brothers and sisters, you know, uh, we had a bond being brothers, right? Being boys and also being able to play the same sport. Like I loved basketball. We loved a lot of the same thing. So it just naturally evolved into that. And like when the time came, I was working at the New York daily news. Um, I remember I was working the night shift because the, the paper gets done the night before it gets distributed in that morning. And I was working as an American engineer there. And uh, you know, Charlie was already be at, at uh, he was already at that level. He was uh, a high school phenom. Like, you know, he was being talked about in the papers. He was uh, coming up in the rankings. He was in the class of LeBron. You're talking James. about when he was in high school. right? When now. he was in high school. Yeah. So okay. at that point, you know, you know, you're, in that class, it was LeBron James, Luau Dang, which was a former teammate of his in, in Blair Academy and Charlie. So, um, you know, I'm, I was in California at the time and I was reading about it. And at the time, my mom, you know, we had the same dad, different mom and my mom, who was having trouble with her heart. So I was like, I need to come back to New York. So when I got back to New York, I got this job at the New York, uh, the New York Daily News. And Charlie used to come by the office and hang out with Cop- at Copacabana when it was on 34th Street. And he was 17 <laughs> years old. Wow. And I was, and I was the, the representative that got him in. Like, I was right, the one right, negotiating right. with the one door thing, guy. One thing I would yeah. say with Rob, though, he was good, you know, he knew how to talk. He knew he had that New York <laughs> mentality, swagger. Mm-hmm. That was like, you know what? Uh, it's not nice. bad to have this guy on the team. You know, I, you know what I <laughs> say about Rob? Here's what I always say. When I introduce Rob to people at industry parties, like I always say he's the kind of guy – that he's like like Batman, like he could like stand on a table, like he could fix your com- fucking computer right there on the spot, and he could stand on a table and do a backflip. Like That's you know, if you want him to dance, like yeah, if you want him to dance salsa, he'll teach you how to dance salsa right now in the very <laughs> moment. Right, Rob. Rob is a jack of all trades. It was, it was the fact that obviously being a big brother and the relationship we have as a family, even though we grew up in different households, you know, um, we were super close as kids, and I, and I thank my dad for that. You know, we was always always bringing us around, even though the mom may have had tensions back early on but because of our bonds as brothers and sisters and there's 10 of us six baby mamas it's a lot of information right there but there's a lot of households <laughs> to fulfill there yeah. but mm-hmm. we naturally bonded and my mom didn't have a problem with me hanging out with my brother his mom didn't have a problem with us hanging out For and sure. we were adults by now so yeah. then you yeah. have much of a choice so when it, when it came time when he got drafted it was like oh my god you know rob doesn't have any kids 
He sounds like he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Throw him in there. So, Rob, I feel like we see your dynamic with your brother so often in the industry, not off, not even just in the athletic industry with NBA players, you know, where you kind of have like that confidant or that homeboy or that go-to, but even in the entertainment industry, right, with like Drake and Chubbs, Rihanna, Melissa Ford. Um, did you feel like a certain responsibility where you're like, okay, like I actually have to push my brother forward? Or was it just kind of like, you know, like we're, we're in the NBA, NBA now, you know, we can live life, we can, we're, you know, what, what, what was your mentality? Yeah, no, I felt like I'd had that early on when, when I moved back from California to New York, he was, I think, a junior, going from a sophomore to a junior in high school, and he was already getting national attention. And I felt then I had the responsibility to steer him in the right direction in the sense where I was like, all right, I'm just here looking out for your best interests. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't even about the family. It wasn't even about me. It was about, let's just make sure you get this job of your dream mm-hmm. to land to the NBA. That's all I had in my mind. Mm-hmm. And even when we were looking at um, college decisions, like, um, he had five college visits, which I think he went to Seen Hall, Villanova, Illinois, Kansas, and Kansas, UConn. Kansas, no, Illinois, Indiana. It, it was five, five of them, right? Mm-hmm. I actually... Put out, go into my PowerPoint and went to my Excel spreadsheet, <laughs> pull out a deck that showed like the pros and cons of each of them, like from like down to down to the demographics of the, the attendees, the That's neighborhoods, beautiful. the coaching, the history. Like I try to break it down so he can make the best decision. So my role early on was always like, let me put all the information out there to let you decide. I'll give you my suggestions, but at the end of the day, is ultimately your decision. And I mean, he ended up ended up going to UConn, uh, which the situation, which kind of crazy how that played out. The coach, he made a verbal commitment to the University of Illinois, where the, the time Coach Bill Self pulled out and decided to get a job at Kansas after he made a verbal commitment. And this is where uh, Brian Cook, Deron Williams, D. Brown, they had a squad. They had championship a they were, squad. They championship squad. Yeah, yeah. And he pulled out because Co- uh, Coach Self decided to go to Kansas. And now Charlie was in limbo and just ended up going to, he landed at the, the hands of uh, UConn and they won a championship that first year, which was like the best decision he ever made. But yeah, I mean, my, my role early on was just always give him the information and try to give him, uh, put him in a position so he can make the best decision himself. Char- Charlie, he's obviously very resourceful. We know Rob. Yeah. But were there ever moments where you were like, he's in over his head? Like he doesn't know. Like let's be one thousand. Like it's not rocket. It's not rocket science. The basketball industry is not rocket science. But sometimes it's like, yo, he don't know what the fuck he's doing. Were there ever moments of that? No, it was more moments of like he's the bigger brother, right? He's the older brother. So there were times where I was the bigger brother, (laughs) (laughs) and there was a lot of situations. I'm like, yo, Rob, like what's up? Like what are you doing? But yeah, there was a lot of. What the fuck moments, yeah. <laughs> well, Rob, did you ever feel like you were in over your head? Were there moments where you were like, why am I doing this? This ain't for me. No, or- no, it was never, I never questioned it like, man, like, I, 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 I don't need him, right? Right. I never questioned any, any of that. It was more like, you know, I mean, this is new for both of us, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it, 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 certain situations, it did go over his head. <laughs> I'm going to keep it, keep it above. Can you share one of those stories with us? Like you guys aired out all my dirty laundry. So let's get <laughs> no, let's I mean, get a little like, bit honestly, of your dirty I, underwear in I, here. I'll tell you this much. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, that like you know my head the whole time it was like my primary goal was like put him in a position where he could achieve his goals, right? Which is which at the time was the NBA. Once he got to the NBA, 
And I remember even telling people that I was working at the New York Daily News, I was like, peace out, bitches. My brother just got drafted. You know, we're all rich now. We all need it. Right. Um, and, and that wasn't that wasn't necessarily the case. And I knew that I caught that early on because now it was like I was living up, trying to live up with the Joneses. Like he got drafted. He could afford the bottles of the club. I can not not with my salary, but I would try to keep up. So my financial decisions were, were terrible. Right. Um, I would, terrible. I would, I would, I would party a lot. And so it was, you know, my other brother was, uh, uh, later on in his career, got in, got, uh, moved in with us and also got caught up in the same, in the same bubble where it's like, yo, you're in the league. We all in the league. We all acting like, you know, yeah. with all due respect to the groupies out there, but we were all part of that lifestyle. And, uh, we got caught up and I got caught up in a lot of situations where like, I regret, you know, not making meetings in the morning because I got drunk the night before, you know, and, and those are moments that I could look back and be like, oh, man, I could have handled that differently. But I'm supposed to be the big brother to set an example. Um, and then but Charlie what is would, it? It's just like the lifestyle. It's like, yo, I walk into the club with Charlie. Everybody knows who the fuck I am. And then I get caught up in that lifestyle. Like, what was it that was so, like, appealing not, to you? Everything. Girls, I mean, first drinking. First of all, like, you're, you're, you know, you're getting all the perks. Like, he... The stuff that he got for free, you know, I'm also getting for free. You know, right. somebody decides, hey, you know, here's a free watch. You know what? You're, you're, brother, you got a free watch, too. You know, here's some hats. Here's some sneakers. You right. said earlier, you said some oh, yeah. flyers. Yo, that's right? true. I actually used to hook you guys, the whole crew up, right? Like, yeah. I even sent some stuff to Rob C. early on because, you know, one of the things that Jeff and Jamie told me when I worked at Excel, and I, I was cool with it because it was new for me. They were like, well, Rob's your client, too. Like Charlie's not yeah, only it's, your client. It's completely strategic. You have to include the friends, the family, like whoever the close homeboy is. It's you want to make everyone feel like family, like you're not just a client. So whoever's right yeah. next to you, they're they're automatically going to take care. Does of. that work for you, Charlie? Are you like? Does that do you find that appealing as the town as the athlete? Or are you like you you just kissing of, up the road? Of course, absolutely. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you know. You want your family members to be or the people that you have around your circle right. to be taken care of as well. And they were doing that as well. Uh, okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I was definitely for it. And it was definitely appealing. And, and the way they treated my brother is another reason why I decided to go with them. Charlie, I would I would love to ask you a question because Burton and I was having a, a debate about this yesterday. But I I feel like the league or teams should do a little bit more. So just a little bit background on me. I, I worked at the Nets um, off court player development for a few years. So this was kind of like my role, my mentality. Um, but you know, a lot of the times, like the close person, whether it's a brother or the person that they grew up with for 10 years, like that's the person helping you make your last decision, right? So that's the person helping you keep your head in the game. And I feel like the system can do a little bit more to empower those people, right? Um, so I would just, I would love your, your opinion on if you think that that's important. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's extremely important. I think, um, because we both, well, this was my first, everything is new to us, you know, so mm-hmm. to speak and having some type of program or some type of resources where family members or, you know, those decision makers that are helping me make the decision making, the decision making mm-hmm. could get some type of coaching, could get some type of, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make better decisions because a lot of things were new for him, mm-hmm. just like it was it was for me. So, 
but 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 then you have, you have to ask yourself whose responsibility is that? Right. Like, is it is Rob, it the I'm team that's drafting you? Yep. Is it is it the PA, the players' union that 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 you represent? Is it you as the the athlete himself? Is it the yeah. agent? Yeah. Right. But I, as as I'm older now, I think at the end of the day, it falls on the player. Right. The player right. has right. to be the right. one. Right. But I'm twenty twenty one years old. Never seen a million dollars before. Never been on the NBA floor before. Mm-hmm. I don't know what a, you know. You know, everything is new to me. So, so for me to make that decision at an early age, I mean, it, it, it was tough. I, I don't disagree with you. I definitely agree that it would be really nice if we could provide guidance and resources to that right hand man. I guess my point is, how? Like the team doesn't have the time or money to do it. The league is definitely not going to spend time. No, they False. don't. Honestly, Savannah, they don't have. Like I know what you're saying. Every team is worth a billion dollars, mm-hmm. so they must have money. But that's not how like corporate America works. But, and but also and also to burn just to add to that, like today's generation of athletes are changing. Like they're becoming a lot more self-aware mm-hmm. when it comes to their brand, their personal brands, mm-hmm. the social media space. They're a lot more tech savvy. They're saying to themselves, you know, it's cool to have a go-to guy and a right-hand man around me, but it's like, I don't need him to pick up the call if it pertains to my business. Like, I think a lot of them are now becoming proactive about getting involved and getting their hands dirty, so to speak, when it comes to business matters. Yeah. I think, I think that's fair. I, I, I guess the re, I, I'm just saying resources are not unlimited. So, so speaking of resources, I got to ask this question because I'm just curious because I think it opens up for us to have a bigger conversation. Charlie, you take money when you were in college? Did you take money when you were in high school? Yeah, right, right. You take money, it's like a blue chip, blue, blue chip movie. Yeah, blue chip. From, like, did you, from did you, you have I mean, given it's about to be legal, all right? So whatever you're saying, like... (laughs) Also, statute of limitations. They can't get you, Charlie. I'll tell you, I'll I'll give you a good story. They might strike you from that that title, Astro. Nah, nah, nah. Ah, maybe, maybe. It depends on what Charlie says. But I got final (laughs) cut. I'll cut it out. Um, See, see, that's that's my role, to tell him that that may be an option that they might strike you from your UConn champion. You make the decision now. No, 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 no. Well, UConn, I'm going to say this first. Like, first-hand UConn, I've never received one cent, one dollar. Uh, from the University of UConn. Um, Didn't you get suspended they were, for it? They, they, yeah, well, I'm going to touch on that. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, did, you did your homework. but um, we, got, we got great producers and a researcher. So, <laughs> this, this is a real fucking show, guys. Like, we got so, real shit. You see it, studio. You see it. So, uh, okay, so when I was going through my college visits, there were schools offering me the back. Mind you. What's the bag? What's the good number? Six figures. What the fuck? Six figures. There's certain schools that that, that did. And there were certain schools that were going to take care of my brothers with a job. I was going to say, that family strategy is real. I'm telling you. (laughs) He was in the mix. (laughs) Rob would be like the governor of Illinois if you ever went there and you won the fucking championship, right? Why you know what school? I just school. I'm not saying specific school. Don't call me that. I'm not saying, I'm only saying that because I saw the tape. No, the VHS tape. They got a great tape. I'll digress for a second, Charlie. I won't interrupt too much. They got a great tape of when Charlie visited the University of Illinois or Illinois University and they're all like about to play basketball with like the team so it's like Rob and their other brother Rob and Rob 
is try to dunk in the layup lines to show everyone he's still he's like 34 years old. He's like, I got he was it. Try, he, I was, got he it. thought it was a tryout. He yeah, I know. He was, he was like, yo, yeah, exactly. Yo, he was going hard at that. I mean, mind, mind you, Charlie's barely stretching for this thing. It's like, no, that's pickup, bro. They flew you out on a private jet, right? That's my first time ever being on a private so, plane. Illinois. Wow. Okay, so at so, 17 years old. UConn never gave you money. Other yeah, so UConn never gave me money. Um, I told you I went to UConn by accident. Actually, right, right. Um, like Rob was alluding to earlier, you know, uh, I committed to University of Illinois, and then you know, Coach Self went to Kansas. I, I took a visit to Kansas. I was going to go to Kansas until there was a tornado, and. I'm a New York kid. I've never seen a tornado in my life. I said, oh, shit, I ain't coming to Kansas. You know, literally a tornado. He was looking at the I said, I'm, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good on this. I'm good on Kansas. So I didn't have a, I didn't have a school to go to. Right. So uh, I just said, where is close to home, but a little far away? Connecticut. Fuck it. Let's call UConn. And UConn didn't even have a scholarship for me. So, Charlie, tell us more about the bag. Like, you got offered the bag. Like that's the interesting part, right? You got offered bags, at the, but you never took them. Never took. I never took no bag because I didn't go to the school. So did you get suspended from from a game? Yeah, oh yeah, so I did right, get so, suspended. You know what? Let me let me jump in here for a quick quick because all like, right, manager already. Remember early on in high school, I was like his right hand man, right? So like you know, a guy in his position gets a lot of offers from schools, from agents, from runners. You know, there's all mm-hmm. sorts of people trying to give you money because they want to be a part of you, right? Mm-hmm. I was the filter. I used to just filter it out and I would just try to protect them as best as I could. Now, so they're going was, to you up. Are they coming to you saying, yo, I need, they were coming to me. They were coming to him and he'll redirect them to me. Okay. And it's obviously on the low. Cause this is illegal at the time, right? Like yeah, this is, this is completely illegal. Mm-hmm. I no, mean, no, no, no. Hold on. Let's correct this. Let's correct this. Cause I, I hate when people say illegal. illegal. Yeah. It's not illegal. It's just against the rules that the NCAA set up. Right. Right. There's a huge distinction. I just want to make that distinction because I want to get into this conversation. And that's a great, yes. Great point. Yeah, um, I mean, all I knew, my size was 13, and I used to make sure they knew that. That's all I knew. But, but more importantly, like... Eddie Lau hitting you off with some J's or something like that? <laughs> but more importantly, it was the fact that he was looking to come out of high school. And, uh, you know, he attended the uh, Blair Academy, and he was he wanted to test the waters and see if uh, um, he could potentially end up in the first round. And there were some talks of that, but we also had to protect if he doesn't go to the first round, he didn't want to be the second round bubble. So he never signed to an agent, but we were talking to agents and we were being guided by agents. And what happened was the agent and, and um, I guess, I, I guess I could, can I say his name? I mean, is it fair? No, no, no. Yeah, you can say his name, but I mean, what, what it is is, you know, there was expenses that occur mm-hmm. during while I was in the, Going through the protests to my NBA workout. So mm-hmm. obviously, you know. They're paying for the uh, trainer. They're paying for you to get there, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 right. and what happened with his suspension, it was, and, and I'll say his name was Dan Fagan, rest in peace. But yeah. Dan was coordinating a, a, a workout in Chicago during the combine. And it was him and who's the other player? Nindy Eby, was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we were, everything was being paid by me. Anything that Charlie, anytime Charlie did anything, I was going through me and I was had records of everything. The one time we slipped up was when Dan coordinated a workout. Wait, meaning Dan's teams. giving you money, but it's coming on your credit card, right? Like something like that. When you're saying it's getting paid no, by no, you. No, no, no. I was paying for, I was paying for everything and Dan was supposed reimburse to reimburse you. Me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. 
if that was the route, if, if, right, if right, right, we were right. to go that route. So we were trying to play everything safe. Yep. What happened was Dan paid for the gym, and I never knew that. I thought he just had access to a gym, but Dan sure. actually paid for a gym. When Charlie decided to go to UConn, there was a huge investigation that the NCAA did. And when they, I mean, they sat down with me, Nate Blue, which played a big part of Charlie's career. Um, and he's, Nate Blue was a guy that, uh, that he grew up with and uh, an advisor. And, uh, but anybody that was surrounding Charlie, his mom, dad, sister, brother, everyone, they interviewed all of us for hours. And who's and, interviewing and, you? The NCAA? The NCAA had yeah, that, that was pretty intimidating and scary, to be honest. Right, right, right. I'm yeah. a young kid. I'm 17 years mm-hmm. old. And I got to get a lawyer. Right, you right. Know what I'm saying? And I was getting grilled. They were grilling me, bro. Are you in the room with an adult or by I'm yourself? I'm in the room with my lawyer. It's just okay, me and my lawyer it. and the investigators. But, okay. but, but they, they position it in a way where they, you, they make it seem like you already did something wrong. So you're already thinking yeah. you're guilty. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like just a matter of time until you, like, you slip up. And okay. like, you're, like, you're like, oh, shit, did I do something wrong? And like, mm-hmm. you, you're retracking all your moves and all that. But the one move that we messed up was we didn't realize that Dan had paid for the gym. They found that receipt because they contacted the gym. And now Charlie got suspended mm-hmm. for, like, I think five or seven games to open up the, his freshman year at UConn. Eight games to be exact. Eight long games, and that's crazy because I feel like it's. I feel like this is really like to your point, Burton. It's such. It's part of such a bigger conversation because you know, nine times out of ten, these kids that are getting drafted are coming from inner cities, and a lot of times they don't have the expenses to even just go to the gym and train. You know, their their parents are working. How are they going to get? You know, an well, Uber didn't exist back in your day, but you know, a cab or whatever the case may be, right? So. The fact that these colleges are making millions off of you, coaches have million dollar contracts and you can barely afford your way just to train in order to perform is it's it's a huge topic. No, right? let's let's call a spade a spade. It's fucked up. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. The, the issue. And I, this is where I wanted to go with the conversation. I wasn't trying to get you guys in trouble with UConn or anybody <laughs> else. But like the, the reality is like. They're now, I don't, Charlie, I don't know how closely you follow, but like they're now, Rob's in the sports business, so I'm sure he follows. Like we're moving in a direction where they're forcing the NCAA to allow athletes to make money off their likeness, right? To me, it's been fucked up that college athletes who, like Savannah said, are making money for the university. The university is a, the NCAA is a multi-billion dollar business. The university is a multi-million dollar business. The the coach, nobody goes, God, God bless Bill Self, but nobody goes to Kansas games for Bill's fucking self, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're making money off these kids who are not getting money in return. So, Rob, if everything's filtering to you, when Charlie gets to the league, and I dealt with this a little bit when I dealt with you guys, like Charlie would always be like, talk to Rob about it. I remember that. Um, but when you guys fired your first agent, is that getting filtered to you? It's, it's like the big decisions like that. Yeah. Like, like it's nice to have the good decisions, right? In 2009, you were recruited by teams, right? They were ready to pay you that fucking check. But prior to that, the bad decisions, the bad decisions. Is the bad decisions getting filtered to you? As well? are, like, what's, are the good decisions Charlie's decisions and the bad decisions yours? Like, how does that work? No, I, honestly, we, we, we talked about everything. I mean, like, every decision was a decision that we made collectively, whether it was like, what restaurant, what are we going to eat at tonight? Or like, you know, are we going to fire his agent? Like it didn't matter. It was just, you know, we, we had a bond where, uh, we felt open to talk about anything. And, uh, you know, with, with, with that, it was, it was a rude awakening. That decision of him firing his first agent was a rude awakening. 
And a rude that, awakening to the agent or to your team? To to us. It was Why? it was like welcome to the NBA. And and I'll tell you the backstory uh, quickly here. But when Charlie found out that he was traded to the Milwaukee Bucks after his first year in the NBA, after his rookie year, where he was with the Toronto Raptors. And it was a good rookie year. Let's let's set the stage. It was a great rookie year. Great rookie year. Charlie was second in rookie of the year. Behind yep. Chris Paul. Behind Chris Paul, who's a Hall of first ballot Hall of Famer. I think your last game you had forty nine points or something like that, right? Like great yep. rookie year. Yep. Yep. He was all first uh, all first team rookie team. He's had a career high forty eight points as a rookie. That was a franchise record for the Raptors. So you know, he had a great year and, and, his, and Charlie could dive into this more in his exit interview. You know, every, after the, at the end of every season, you have to sit down with the coaching staff. And then the, during that session, there was like, what was it, Charlie? They said that they won't, they would only trade you if what? No, well, there was a lot of chatter of me, you know, possibly getting traded. Um, so I remember I had a conversation with them and I, they were like, the fact that there's a lot of chatter out there that you might get traded, that's a good thing because that means people want you, mm-hmm. but we're not letting you go. And, you know, if Michael Jordan is coming out of retirement, that's the only way we'll trade you. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And within, yeah. and within 24 hours, I was gone. <laughs> yeah, yo, yo, that's straight up. They told him, yo, the only way we'll trade you if is Mike, Michael Jordan comes out of retirement and wants to come to the Raptors. I kid you not. I imagine I'm a kid. I'm 21 years old. So right. when uh, an adult, I mean, I'm a young adult, but with a grown-ass man, Let's send you in your eyes and tell you we're not going to trade you. Trade you if, my, um, if Michael Jordan. The only way we trade you, Michael Jordan comes out of retirement. I mean, you're going to believe that, right? It was the GM that told you you don't have to name names, but who was yeah, it the no, GM? I'm naming all. I have no problems dropping names. Brian Kalanji. Fuck Brian that guy. Kalanji. Fuck Brian Kalanji. No, no, no. I didn't know Sam no, Mitchell. No, no, yeah, yeah. It was Sam Mitchell. But Brian Kalanji. I mean, that they also, you know, he told me was he going to trade? I like me? I like Sam Mitchell. I like Sam Mitchell. Yeah. So so check it. So now they told him they tell him that. So now we took a, a quick trip, I think, to Dominican Republic or, or somewhere. I forget. And we were coming back from the airport. So as we're driving out of the airport, heading back. No, to... no, no. I mean, correct, Rob. What was we it? was doing an appearance in Toronto, and that's it was a draft, and they drafted Bargnani. And then yeah. I was doing an appearance in Toronto, and then I did my appearance. And then as soon as I, the next day, I flew back from Toronto to New York. Yes, as soon as I landed, yes, yes, yes. as soon as I landed, I was already trading. No, but yeah, the way, yeah, exactly. The way, the way I found out was through my brother. Yeah. So check it. So we land in New York and he's been traded. We have no clue. So this is what you think your rep comes in, your agent, right? Yeah. This is like, he has these relationships. He's supposed to be managing you. And, um, at the time I was dating, I was uh, had a relationship with this girl that worked in the radio industry. You see how she quick he went from dating to dating relationship? To, yeah. yeah, right? Like, I see how quick he went that. from dating to relationship? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So you had a, yeah, you, you knew this girl. His right, wife I got is you. probably looking at him. Yeah, right I know. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you had a relationship before me? Ah! Oh. Yeah. No, so she's in the mix, right? She gives me a call, like, yo, I think Charlie just got traded. And I'm like, yeah, bro, hell no. What do you mean he just got traded? He just had the best year in, in, in one of the franchises. Yeah, your first like, question is no like, way. did Michael Jordan come out of retirement? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, hell no. But I was like, you know what? Hold on. Let, let me at least call his agent, which at the time was Billy Slicer. And no, like, you told look. me. For, yeah, you I called told me. you. And, I was yeah. like, no, well, you like, you got traded? I'm like, hell no. What are you talking about? I didn't get traded. Wow. And then, and then I called Billy. Uh, and then I was like, yeah, did I get traded? He's like, nah, what are you talking about? He's like, yo, why are they saying that I got traded? 
So in that, he's like, I'm going to call you back. The agent's like, I'm going to call you back. And then within five, you know, ten minutes, he calls me back. He's like, oh, you got traded? You've been traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> he's like, what? So was the rude awakening like, damn, I got an incompetent agent? Like, what was the feeling in that moment? To be honest, I was more hurt. Like, I was By like... By the team, right? Like... You know, like, I'm a kid, right? So, um, a young kid at that and. Because the fact that they told me that they wasn't going to trade me and they mm-hmm. trade me 24 hours later, like, bro, is that ruthless? Like, this is like that? You know, that's a, a sign of betrayal right away. And I took that very personal. I, I personally took it immediately like, all right, there's, you know, that's that to me, that's a sign of disrespect in any business when you're making moves and you can't be straight up and talk about it. So I took it like, all right, his current, rep, his current sports agent, his representative is a fish among sharks. Like if, if you can, there's, fish, there's yeah. certain, yeah, small fish among sharks. Cause I feel like it, it's already a, 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 a cutthroat world. And there's certain agents that the GM would not want to jeopardize that relationship. That would not do mm-hmm. a move like that without notifying them. And that's well, I felt like, yo, it's time for a change. So is that like, so is that the moment that both of you guys had where you're like, this isn't, about basketball as, as much as it is about business. This is a business now, and so we have to make business moves. Is that like the thought that went through your head? Is that a thought that went through your head? Or like was it like more emotional than that? For me, it was the, mo- the, it was the emotional aspect of it. Of It's like, you know, you ha- you're in a relationship, and the girl tells you, no, I didn't do this, and then you find out she did that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And to me, that was that was more betrayal. I was hurt. I was disrespected. And then Rob, in the sense, you know, as Rob being the older brother, he's thinking more like, damn, like, if you had a different agent, maybe this would have not happened because, right. you know, in, 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 in the agent world, you know, leverage is everything, right? If you have multiple guys, you know, high player guys, yep. you know, just like my brother said, they wouldn't just do that. They would at least call him and let him know. They would, so, exactly. Right. For sure. And, but it was crazy when, like, when, when we talk about emotion, maybe Charles being a little humble here, but it really hurt him. I don't know. Nah, if you I, shed, hurt. I don't know if you shed tears. Yeah, yeah I shed tears. I keep it on it. I, I was crying. I keep he it was crying. It. He cried and he held that grudge for a while because it played a role into his decision making later on. With Billy or the team? Who was the grudge against? No, the team, the team right? Think, the team, right? The team. The team. Yeah. The team. See, Rob was more. On the agent side, business side, aspect of it, I was more into the how can they just do me like that? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I was loyal to the country, I was loyal to the team. I loved it in Toronto. I loved it. So can I, can I bring something up that's also I know? So Charlie and I had a heart to heart before Christmas. Would you call it a heart to heart, Charlie, or just a talk? Christmas before Christmas oh. when I. T- he yeah, doesn't even recently. know what you're talking about, so we're, we'll call it a talk. <laughs> it was, uh, sounds like a conversation, Brian. <laughs> sounds like yeah, a conversation. Was, was it com- would you call it a heart-to-heart or just a regular conversation? He doesn't know what you're talking about. doesn't sound like a heart-to-heart. <laughs> a heart-to-heart would have been remembered. I don't... Exactly. <laughs> Damn, it meant more than... Yeah, go ahead. Go into the story. Okay, so we talked, and we talked about a lot of things, and one of the things we talked about was um, when Charlie's career was over and that transition, and, and, and the transition that you're currently in. Um... And, you know, one of the things he told me that hurt him a lot was his agent at the time. He he went from Billy Seisler to Jeff Schwartz in XL Sports. And Jeff 
hasn't called you since you've been done playing basketball. Mm-hmm. And Jeff was also the guy that fired me in 2009. And so. he's still in the game. He's still in the game. He's, 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 he, I mean, does, he does good. He does yeah, great. Th- there's That's no amazing. argument. And I even said this to you on the phone when we talked, like, you know, he's good at his job. He knows how to get guys paid. He's so, one of the best. In the he's one of the best. Or the me, best. Or the best. Yeah. There's no argument there. But Charlie said to me, it hurt. Like, you know, he took, he and the XL employees, all preach this family thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're family, we're family, we're family. And that's how they got you strategically, right? Like, they were sending stuff to y- your brother, your family. Yep. And I remember, like, things like that, when you tell, like, especially someone like myself at that age, that family to me is everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I take that shit too hard. Of course. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. um, that really hurt me, man, because here I am, basketball is almost, you know, out the door, and... I didn't have no, you know, support from supposedly my family, right? And to me, it was a slap in the face. And again, it's like, you know, what can you do for me? And what can you do for me lately type of moment? Mm-hmm. And if you, can't, if you can't put money in my pocket right now, then I don't really need you. You're disposable. They essentially just look at you as an asset. So they're going to invest yep. as long as they see an asset out of you. Correct. Yeah, no, yeah Correct. It's, it, it is. That's also another rude awakening too as well. And as, uh, it's one of those things that young athletes have to also keep in mind. It, it's, it's, and it's okay. Honestly, I think it's, it's okay. If, if you're an agent and you have a client and it's strictly business, right? Like if at some point the client has no value, then you, you may have to cut your ties like, like any other investment, right? Now, like you would think in the sports world and the type of relationships as it, it built early on, it's a different approach, right? You're building a general relationship. So you would think like there's some sort of organic emotion where like, I'm not going to do you dirty like that. Like we're still friends. We're still part of the family, but it's not at the end of the day. And I don't know, I don't know if, if race plays a role there. I don't know if, if like no, a, a, right. a black agent makes a difference than a white agent. I don't know. I just know that, you know, sometimes you got to look at it for what it is. I think I think that my my humble opinion is that the thing that's doesn't sit well with me is the lying part of it. Like the fact that it's business is business, right? Like I got to trade you, I got to trade you. I got to not deal with you anymore because I don't have the resources to deal with you anymore because you don't play in the NBA. That's those are business rationale. But when it's like Yo, we ain't gonna trade you unless Michael Jordan comes out of retirement and then we trade you 24 hours later. Or it's your family, your family, your family. And the minute you can't make me money, you're not so much family. That's lying. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that's where I, that's where I sit with that stuff. So, yeah. so I'm, not- I'm gonna, I'm gonna interject a little bit just because I've, I've had a little bit of the, the front office basketball operations experience. It is, it is family, right? And you, and you do want to take care of these people as much as possible. But sometimes like, it, like when you are shopping around, there is that one instance that maybe the trade may work out, but you're not, you're not going to tell them, right? Cause if, if it, if it doesn't work out, you don't want that player to, to go into the next season feeling like, Oh, like, well, they're about to trade me. So now I don't really Yeah, but there's care, a better way right? to handle it. You don't have to say to Charlie, we're only going to trade you if Michael Jordan comes out of retirement because TJ Ford fair. ain't they, Michael they, Jordan, yeah, right? Like, they definitely dramatize. Like, yeah, they dramatize like, the situation. If, but what if, to, to to her point, what if the conversation came after they told him that? Which no is, doubt. But, be, but again, my, there's a way to also, do it, right? right? And I think the way to do it is you don't need to say that, Charlie. It's like Charlie you had a great rookie year. We love you. We we look at you as a foundational piece for the team. That's not lying. 
That's what, like, you know, again, I'm not going to harp too much on the Jeff Schwartz stuff, but it's like, he didn't have to go into a whole speech about how we're family. No, but that, that was the team, not the, not no, no, the agency, I know, but right? now I'm talking yeah. about the next thing. I'm talking about the rude awakening of that this is a business, right? Cause when you say rude awakening, Rob, you're referencing the fact that this ain't fucking just, we're buddies. It's not family. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, go, yeah. you go play pickup ball, you pick up your boys, unless they suck. Right? That is yeah. business. We trying to win this game. Mm-hmm. So I remember you and Rob C didn't pick me up at one time before. I was so hurt yeah. by that, bro. You like, and then Rob C's like, yo, you're not going to be able to guard anybody. I'm like, all right. Yeah, exactly. Rob C was no, so mean. I, I get it though. I get it when, right. when the whole business side now as a businessman, I get it. You got to make a business decision sometimes. Right. right. And I get it. And if it's, and if it's trading me or letting me go or I can't do anything for your company no more. But that's not the relationship we had. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, right. I had a relationship with Jeff since high school. Right. I've known Jeff since high school with him right. dealing with Lamar Odom. Right. That's the emotional side of it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, so, you know, I would go to a certain events. I would do certain, like, just because Jeff was my guy. Mm-hmm. Right. I would do certain things because he's my guy. You were at his engagement party. And I was at his engagement there's a wedding. Like, he was already married. I was engaged, there too. His engagement. That's a good one. I forgot about that one. Bro. Yeah, I was there too. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so it was more like a, like I really had a bond with Jeff. Like there were times where me and Jeff would just talk, you know. And then as my career went on, and you know I was making as much noise as I was before, we started talking less and less right. and less and less mm-hmm. and to the point where. When's the last time you heard from? A couple years ago? I would say last time I played was 2016. Wow. Five years ago. And I don't think you ever, you never officially fired him, right? I mean, you never, like, I never officially. Just like his last year with Dallas, with the Dallas Mavericks, you know, he just knew that there were some opportunities that came up overseas, but Charlie didn't want to explore those options. And, you know, he just thought he was done playing. And after that, it was just like, Communication. Never asked. Never asked me if I retired. Never right. asked me. You right. know, what am I going to do after basketball? Never asked me like, hey, do you want right. to? And I and I remember vividly when they were doing their presentation when they was trying to hire me. I mean, uh, uh, recruit me. I should say when you were trying to hire them. <laughs> you and I was right. trying to hire them. Right. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, one of the things they said was life after basketball. You know, this is a a family. You know. Uh, business you know life after basketball we're going to prepare you make sure you do x y and z and you know you're going to be good with us type of deal and mm. it wasn't that at all they stuck you with me that's what they did <laughs> <laughs> and uh, honestly it's not like they're bad people i don't think these yeah, agents no mean any sure. harm on any of these players like it's like you know he's, he's still a great guy it's still a great company um but i think people just get caught up with the numbers and, and exactly. the business aspects and mm-hmm. just you know they they get caught up i mean that's and that's why like a lot of these young players and even some of the older veterans that are professionals now, they decide to go with the smaller agents because like yeah. they can call them up at two in the morning and they're going to mm-hmm. pick up and they can call yeah. them mm-hmm. five years after they're done playing and they're going to pick up because it's, um, it's a different type of relationship when you're it's, it's in a more boutique intimate type of agency versus a big monster like it is with some of these other bigger players. Yep. So we got to wrap up now. It's been a great conversation. Appreciate you guys. I think. That's it. Uh, yeah, You're I mean, right. listen, but it, it's only, it's only an hour show. It's not three hour show. Um, but appreciate you guys. I appreciate the candor, guys. I appreciate the olive branch. I think both of you guys have some good perspective on 
the interesting parts of this world and the dynamics around it. So, you know, in retrospect, you guys should have taken the fucking money. Um, <laughs> you guys should not have fired me. They did take and, the money. But again, I appreciate <laughs> everything you guys do. Um, CB, I don't know if you want to do a little promo of where we can find you. I know there's social media. There's, I know you do the show on YouTube, but if you wanted to give any of those a shout out, you know, we can make yeah, sure. I mean, I'm in all social media platforms. I'm on YouTube at CV Believe. Uh, and then you can find me on you know, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, on CV Believe. How about you, Rob, as well? Because you're not you're not just Robin in this situation. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> Where <laughs> no, can we it, find you? <laughs> it's it's kind of cool. I just hearing Charlie, you know, like we talked about life with the basketball and I'll, and I'll make this real quick, this point, but it's like, you know, he took it onto his own hand to transition to this life after basketball. And now he's heavily invested into real estate as a developer, as an investor, mm-hmm. he's an entrepreneur, he's a businessman. And he's being a little humble right now. But one of the things that's cool about seeing him evolve is the fact that he's taking financial literacy and financial education in his own hands to learn, but also to teach and mm-hmm. to teach the practical ways of managing your money for the regular Joe, not for the millionaires. And is and that I, on his YouTube channel or? Yeah, that's, that's on YouTube, youtube.com slash CV believe teaching financial literacy and, and, um, and real estate investing, uh, but also on his Instagram. And it's something that his, him and his fiance, um, are doing. His fiance is a real estate agent. Um, so it's cool to see them, you know, take this new chapter in life. As for myself, um, creative by Rob. At creative by Rob. I'm a jack of all trades. Uh, you mentioned earlier resourceful, an ace of none. Uh, and many hats. <laughs> yeah, man of many That's hats. For sure. uh, but follow me if you're, you're looking to continue to build your brand and, and uh, figure out how you can best use and leverage social media. Um, I seem to know a thing or two about that. Are you taking private lessons, private literacy lessons, financial literacy lessons? He needs to. I know. That's what I'm saying, CB. Like, take him to... to No, but he's learning, though. He's watching. He's watching. I know he's watching. I definitely am. He's watching. Okay. When when I go to Dallas, we'll break some bread at Nick and Sam's. Appreciate you guys. Um, Thank you guys so much. We'll talk soon. Thank you guys. Sounds good. Appreciate y'all. Keep watching. Appreciate it. All right. Peace. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to follow us on all social channels at The Black Box Pod. The show would not be possible without our team. Special thanks to our producers, Amanda Berkowitz and Katie McGuigan. Our video director, Paul Aspen. Music by Ye Ali. Designed by Lineage Digital. All photos by Jonathan Gabriel Charles. And our production house, Gotham Podcast Studio in New York City. Special shout out to Raul Hernandez. We'll see you guys next time.